0: special episode, is all about Season 2.
1: Good evening, Aiden.
0: Good evening, Lindsay.
1: We're... Our plan tonight is to discuss Season 2 from the death of Leland Palmer. Onward. Onward. Yes. Um, As we've done with Season 1 and with the first half of Season 2, we kind of did a recap of the season as a whole. It's kind of nice to be able to do these kind of broad stroke things because... Um, it's sometimes it's hard to, to see the whole picture yes. when you're when you're in the midst of it. Yes, uh, and doing episode by episode yeah. and line
0: by line, kind of working through it. So, so to get yeah.
1: this kind of broad stroke uh, view of things, you kind of well, you need to get to the end of the episode and the end of the series. I mean, yes, we haven't been able to do that no and so this is our opportunity yes as uh, I believe John our friend John said this is a victory lap yes kind of the victory lap for yeah. for us for our listeners yeah to kind of wrap up season two
0: exactly so let's take our victory lap yeah and where do you want to start
1: well I think let's, let's just start by general impressions of season two uh, and the, the back half of season two yeah the middle to the end to yes the, the
0: post Leland post Laura story yeah season two
1: what are your thoughts, Aiden? My thoughts
0: are torn. Okay. Uh, I am of two minds. One is that there were some very high highs,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, but they were vastly outnumbered by a multitude of lows
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that really quite a- almost ruined yeah. Twin Peaks for me at, at times. To really? Be yeah. There there were times where I'm like, I don't enjoy watching some of these episodes. I yeah. don't enjoy certain plot lines and You know, we've all experienced the groan of watching Evelyn and James. So, you know, this is not just you and I experiencing this.
1: Yes. Very good. I like that. Uh, I'm just (laughs) glad you didn't try and sing it.
0: (laughs) Terribly off-key, as usual. Uh, So, yeah, there there were some highs. um, More lows. Um, I think the consensus has been reached for a reason. That season two struggled without the Laura plotline driving it. Uh, Cooper was a little aimless. Mm -hmm. Uh, The rest of the characters also wandered very badly. And we suffered for it. However, that last episode, (laughs) which we just watched a couple days ago, amazing. Mm -hmm. Sets up Fire Walk with me, um, which we also are going to talk about shortly, uh, in excellent form. Uh, And when David Lynch captures Twin Twin Peaks back into his... His uh, control in his hands, it soars once again. There's it was nothing is beyond reclamation in season two, by the creators of the show when they when they know what they want. Okay. Fair enough. Do you, do you agree? Disagree?
1: Yeah, I think I think it's uh, season two is uneven. It mm-hmm. would be the way that I would describe it, and I think you hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, my my earliest recollection of the of season two was that it was. Uh, bad. But mm. I really think that it's not as bad. It's nowhere near as bad as, as a lot of people say it is.
0: Well, and we clump in all of season two into this yes. section, but the first nine episodes of season two are still quite good. Yeah, they
1: are. And that's that's where, I mean, that this unevenness kind of comes about because, um, because you do have such, like you said, such high highs. And then you have a period, I mean, it's immediately starting after Leland's death, going until um, probably... I mean, I'd say even the fourth last episode is still not... It's a middling episode, mm-hmm. right? Like, they're they're well, trying and they're yeah. getting back to it, but it's not... I mean, and until the last few episodes, the last three episodes, say, is and when even, things really... Yeah,
0: and even Miss Twin Beaks, the second last episode, I am on record, uh, having just edited this episode that we're about to publish... I am on record as saying I dislike the Misfit and Peaks. It's probably my second least favorite episode right. in all of in all of the series. Um, so it feels like even though it is building to this to this great climax and there is a lot of stuff going on, it was it was still highly variable, based on but, who was behind the camera and what the situation was in that the actors and the.
1: But I'm gonna say that it's not. I can't put all the blame on the solving of Laura's murder because, I think that you've got. Um, they could have done something still, having solved that murder, and having and having finished that investigation. Um, and we're we're going to get to that. Aiden has plotted out a little bit of how he would reclaim season two. But I think if, if for in a number of ways you could have you could have avoided some of the things that um, make season two that uh, what we called uneven, right? Like introducing Wyndham a little bit earlier, a little bit more strongly, uh, a little bit more consistently. Um, having Cooper not be as aimless mm-hmm. in his investigations I understand I still like the, the plot of him not being a, an FBI agent and having his badge taken away yeah. and becoming part of the local law enforcement yeah. I don't mind that at all and I think that that adds some interesting depth to his character and causes him to um, doubt himself maybe in in certain ways and that probably leads to his ultimate fate in the Red Room. But um, but I think you could have had him as a stronger investigator believing in himself a little bit more. Uh,
0: and still experience that downfall? Like. And
1: maybe a bit or have him rebound faster or yeah, not have him languish in plaid hell for so long. I mean, it, not that those are... I mean, I still like it, but it's just... It, it almost feels like it's too much. It's like Twin Peaks went too far into that into that realm where they just i feel like they didn't know what they were doing and david lynch is on record as saying that uh he he would have reined kyle mclaughlin back in a little bit and Mm -hmm. have him give a more restrained cooper-esque performance um as opposed to what some of the episodes that we got delivered
0: yeah where he's he's just he's full-on happy with being a a Twin Peaks sheriff deputy, right? And he's he's just kind of giddy with that.
1: Yeah, kind the, of feel. he he just he just seems to be a little bit, um, well, aimless. I think aimless mm-hmm. is maybe a good way to put it. So
2: yeah,
1: but it's not it's not unsalvageable, and there are definitely things about uh, about season two that are really good, and I I think, um, well, we can talk about. I I, I do think Wyndham I don't I don't dislike Earl. I think no. Earl as a villain. Um, is not a bad idea. No. We talked about how uh, the central conflict for, certainly for David Lynch, um, if not the other writers, was an internal one, something Cooper versus himself, as opposed to Cooper versus Windermere. Mm-hmm. But I think as a as a, an introduction to that kind of weakness, it's not a bad thing. No. I think Windermere leads him to some interesting places.
0: Definitely. I think, uh, you know, there's some, even just, individual moments there's some haunting moments like the death mask when you find that the first time you see it yeah. like that is creepy and his voice is just this you know terrifying figure that's haunting cooper um just
1: the voice not even physically. yeah
0: no exactly yeah. yeah it's literally just that i mean those are that's a great moment uh you know there's the whole chess game actually when it starts you're like wow this is this is serious. especially the way it's introduced with uh well not the way it's first introduced where there's they're exchanging uh plays Chess in plays, the newspaper chess moves, yes. In the newspaper. But once he amps it up to taking the pawn and placing Kam Glauck's brother dead right. in the sheriff's station, I mean that's an amazing scene, too. You you watch that and you're like, wow, this guy created set off an explosion, uh, killed the guy, set off an explosion, planted his body in there in this elaborate kind of way, and then escaped without leaving any evidence. Like, that's a terrifying introduction to what Winnemarl is capable of as well. But at the end of the day, he doesn't feel quite as fleshed out. Um, well, yeah. it's, it's yeah.
1: almost like they, they knew they needed a villain, so they put this villain in, and they, you know, st- like straight out of central casting, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to have him be this deranged madman who's out for revenge because Cooper slept with his wife. I mean, it's very yeah. cliche, and uh, not that that's, again, not a bad thing. Twin Peaks sometimes does really amazing things with with cliche and with these tropes trope characters and trope situations that they play with. But the issue is that they don't play with it. And I think when they think they're playing with it, it's actually failing. Like for example, um, the Diane Keaton episode mm-hmm. where Wyndham goes from being in the previous episode is when he's first introduced physically to Leo in the cabin uh, very menacingly, it's dark. He's in his rumpled suit. There's a, a kind of a, a congruity between um, between Cooper and Wyndham Merlin that mm-hmm. they, you know, Wyndham is the other side. He's the fallen FBI agent compared to Cooper, who at that point is also a fallen FBI agent, but I mean, yeah,
0: he, no, not, not in, in even, that way, yeah, right? Yeah.
1: So. And, and then you have him reintroduced in the very next episode as, you know, a pajama-wearing, flute-playing, dandy, jester, pen. Yeah. Like, he's a, he's all over the place. he's very It's a very strange way of, of characterizing him. And I think they thought that maybe that would add an element of, like, oh, he's so crazy, he's so unpredictable, but it just made him silly. And I yeah. don't think that's where the fear is. I just don't think they had the handle on, no. on Wyndham Earl that they had with... Every, literally every, every other, other character, character yeah. that was created and brought to life by David Lynch and Mark Frost in the pilot. Mm-hmm. So um, that's one area where I think Wyndham suffered.
0: Absolutely. I, I agree. And I think, um, I think because, and it, I, I, again, I, I don't blame individual directors or even the, the, the writing team that was in charge at the time, because this was a Frost Lynch production. It says mm-hmm. so at the end of every episode and the start of every episode. And they had. The understanding and the feel of of how to walk that walk that line, right and find that balance. And without them, this is what people did. They were trying to ape it. They were trying to ape the feel that they had created in season one and the first part of season two. And they were failing and and I can't really blame them because it's such a unique place. Twin right. Peaks is such a unique place. The characters uh, and the way they interact with cliche, with tropes, and with each other mm-hmm. is so unique that it was bound to fail. I mean, I really don't...
1: It, sorry, you're no, looking at differently. No, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, it feels almost like... I've been trying to think of the metaphor for how to describe it, and it's almost like when you, um, when you have an original of something and you take a copy of it and you lose something mm-hmm. in, the, in the copy... And then if you take a copy of that copy, you lose something even more. (laughs) Like it's not even a high quality copy. Exactly. So, So after a while, you start copying a copy of a copy of a copy. And it's so lossy that you're that you, you barely have the original a, 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 anymore. A, well and you don't even know what the original was you yeah. can't even tell what it was and I feel like that's what Twin Peaks almost Suffered became from, Yeah. I don't want to say they weren't parodying themselves because I think they were act- actively trying to make the show better Yeah. I really do believe that but I feel like they were taking like every director or every writer would say okay what did we do last week mm-hmm. okay let's just try and do that and then, and then it, you lost a little bit of the, in the, in the translation.
0: And, and it's interesting because even I, to me, there's two really high watermarks in this part of season two. The first is, um, the path to the Black Lodge, which is two episodes before the finale. Yeah. And then the finale and two episodes before the finale was, uh, a guest director. So it was Stephen Hall who directed the third last episode mm-hmm. and, and it's amazing like we've dis- we discussed this on that recap episode we were like it's amazing how close to a David Lynch feel he managed to create. Right. And 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 so and that's the thing Leslie Lincoln Glatter can did it at times Yeah. but she brought her own kind of sensibilities yeah. and I feel like yeah a lot of the other directors then took from her as opposed to taking from Lynch. Sure. And uh, yeah basically I'm just agreeing with you yeah. in a roundabout yeah. way saying that yes I think this was the just a classic case of too many cooks.
2: Yep.
0: Can insert the song. All eighteen minutes. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, but yeah, it is. It was. It was too many cooks, and nobody had the original recipe anymore. <laughs> yeah, really, to yeah. complete that metaphor. Yeah. Uh, and it's just
1: tasting what was left behind yeah, and saying, really, "Oh well, it oh, sounds oh, like can, there's. It felt like there was it. some cinnamon <laughs> and maybe maybe some allspice. Yeah. Uh, bay leaf and then they just like mashed <laughs> it all going up going
0: and, and then we got something different every time right um but that's yeah. that's
1: very evident in in the plotting mm-hmm. of certain episodes I'm thinking specifically of the Evelyn Marsh James Hurley storyline oh, which plot line, yeah. which ended up uh which did feel very much like a parody it was almost too much like a soap opera no I take it back it wasn't a parody it was too much like a soap opera yeah it, and yeah. not enough like a Twin Peaks version of a soap, soap opera. opera. So it felt like Invitation to Love. Yes. Which without, is a parody. Yeah, any irony? Yeah. But exactly. without the irony. Yeah, yeah. It was played very straight. Yeah. Um. Until the the Diane Keaton episode, which wraps it up and kind of puts a bit of a spin on it that it maybe. Tries. But it, but by that point, it's such a lost cause. Yeah, right? and we've
0: and as the audience, we've we hate that story so much yeah. that we, we really don't even. But see then, but then
1: again, right? um apart from the plotting, the, the characters that are introduced, while Lynch and Frost are not act as active like Wyndham or Annie Blackburn, mm-hmm. these are characters that just don't feel like they fit. No, into the fabric of this town, yeah. and they, they're It's yes. interesting that they both come from outside, yeah. and so okay, maybe they don't necessarily need to fit into the fabric of the town, but they need to fit into the fabric of the show. Yes. So, so
0: well, and Annie's from Twin Peaks, as is John Justice Wheeler, right. ostensibly, and yet they don't feel like they're they're no. part of it either. Little Nikki is from down the street. Maybe we don't really know where the Helping Hands agency or his his, his his orphanage is or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. The, all those characters that come in in this part of season two, yeah, they don't feel complete. I mean, I think Annie's more interesting the more we've talked about her, mm-hmm. and we've developed a bit of a theory about her, and we'll we'll get to her later on. Um, but yeah, it, they they they've again yeah they've lost that because Lynch and Frost weren't there, probably weren't there for were they even involved in the casting? I think
1: they were. Okay. I think they did have and they and they had m- I, m- probably much more say than we're giving them credit for. But I think they just didn't care. And and I mean, I, I think a lot of that comes down to I, David Lynch was hurt, I think, probably very badly by the fact that he had to reveal who who murdered yeah, Laura. That was so his he checked calling, out. Yeah. And and I mean, Mark Frost was there, but he had his own projects on the go mm. as well. So um, they just, I don't want to say they lost interest, but they lost interest. Mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, they, they left Peyton and Engels kind of holding the bag and they did what they could. We've said all this before. It's nothing new, and we're not. No, we're not bashing on them at all. No, no, these aren't new ideas either. Everybody is saying the same things, right? But what not a lot of people say is is that there are some really stellar moments Mm -hmm. in season two, and and let's talk about some of those. What are some of the? I think the introduction of Winda Merle is 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 fantastic.
0: Um, Yeah. Uh, I you know, as far as plot lines that other people don't like, I do enjoy the Civil War one. Yeah. I I feel like Ben's dissent and reclamation, uh, it I, I again I think it's mostly Richard Bramer is just amazing mm. and he just he did it single handedly really. As much
1: as he hated that yeah. or didn't didn't like where it where it maybe ended up in yeah. the in the end. Yeah. It's still it's still enjoyable
0: went. and watchable and yeah I I, I wish that it, it was
1: more thematically clear what their purpose was I think I you know having him reverse the outcome of the civil war in order to make amends and figure out where he stands in his own life um, it doesn't jibe necessarily with his desire to do good afterwards unless seeing the the evil of the antebellum the, yeah, self makes yeah. him, you know, decide he's going to become an environmentalist and eat carrots. I don't see the link there. No, that's I true. wish it was a little bit more thematically mm-hmm. strong. But, yeah. but I still like the I, I like the theatrics of it. Mm-hmm. As far as, it, of all those kind of ridiculous season two plot lines, that one is definitely my favorite. Yeah. You know, it, when you put it up next to little Nikki and yeah. Evelyn Marsh, I'll take yeah. the Civil War any day. Definitely. But
0: um, Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously the last episode amazing
1: well yeah and that that whole storyline even with all the goofiness that comes out the the if you could distill the fight between Cooper and Wyndham Earl into maybe two episodes or three episodes worth you wouldn't have the dramatic tension but I think there's enough really good material there and to, to make it worthwhile mm-hmm. because it does lead somewhere very interesting
0: yes oh absolutely in the finale yeah yeah.
1: So definitely, think that would be good. Yep.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's some individual characters that we we liked a lot in this one. I uh, Denise. Yeah. Is great. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Ernie. Ernie Niles. Ernie is Niles. Fun one He's who, funny, and you know, I mean, Norma's mother is a throwaway one, but sure. Somehow, her husband is <laughs> is better.
1: Yeah, he did, and I feel like that's a character that did kind of feel like he fit in yeah. with the with the ethos. Yes. Of Twin Peaks yes. a little bit more.
0: Um, and then there were some disappointing departures. Uh,
1: Jean Renault.
0: Jean well, exactly, yeah. And that, that's probably one of my other favorite scenes is that is Cooper being berated by uh, Jean Renault after he's been captured? Right. Um, because, yeah, it, it gets to that heart of is Cooper in some way responsible for some of the bad things that are happening in Twin sure. Peaks? Sure. And it
1: Even it if is he to isn't actually responsible, even no. if that's just a... a, a Jean Renault being guilt, guilt trip, yeah. yeah guilt tripping him it's Those believable Catholic that it's believable that Cooper would feel that and would would mm. internalize that and feel it himself yeah. so i like that a lot that it it added something psychologically to Cooper's character yeah um
0: yeah i mean some of the characters that yeah like the ones that left uh Hank yeah Hank leaving was kind of sad because i mean Hank is to me, one of the most inter- integral characters in Twin Peaks because he he was this middleman for all these bad things going on. Mm-hmm. So he knew everything that was happening. He
1: was, he was also just an enjoyable character yeah, to watch. Yeah, he's just fun
0: to watch. But he
1: had reached the end of his story, and I think they, they wasted more time trying to salvage characters like Donna and mm-hmm. uh, giving James and Evelyn screen time as opposed to developing what could have been promising storylines for Hank.
0: Well, Hank... I mean, yeah, just think of all the dirt he has on everybody. Yeah. Why, why would that not be worth keeping him in the So around, that's disappointing. You know?
1: Yeah. Um, it was really disappointing the way that Andy and Lucy's storylines kind of uh, separated and they lost the heart of what made them interesting. So that that's a disappointing... I think we could talk about that being a departure. Yeah. As well as Josie's departure. Yes, which, Josie being a big one, yeah. Which was really... Uh, I mean, Joan Chen won it out of her contract, which we mentioned in in the episode where we recapped that episode. But but the way that it happened, it left enough of a mystery, I suppose, in a weird way that you want to know what happened. But it didn't feel earned in any way. And the way that they kind of... I'm not sure uh, that all along they intended for her to be the one who tried to kill Cooper or if that was just a convenient way to... tack that on to her at the end of the day as she's heading out the door like let's wrap up that storyline which is entirely possible I have no idea but um, that didn't feel earned and and it really left Truman in a a, I I don't know a weird place it it
0: was a weird place and it wasn't a place I mean their relationship to me was always a little odd Um, I think we've kind of rationalized our way, my, as I've been listening and people have been giving us feedback and, and talking to people online, you know, Truman was the simpleton small town sheriff who, you know, wanted to see the world and never could. So, you know, the fact that there was an Asian woman who who liked him was all he needed to be deliriously happy. Right. And, but the fact that he never saw anything beyond her beauty, he was blindsided by her all the time. Um, like there, there were just a lot of things that made their relationship uncomfortable for mm-hmm. me so when she left and he was all heartbroken again I I didn't buy it I felt like that that turn of his character didn't feel earned either
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, even though it you know I knew he he thought he loved her um, and I guess that's enough but it just again it didn't work for but me but
1: I think what you're getting at um, if I'm interpreting it properly is that if if that storyline and if their relationship wasn't, if it made us uncomfortable, it made me uncomfortable, certainly. Um, maybe if they had addressed it mm-hmm. in a way that Cooper, you know, when Cooper tells Truman about Josie's past and Truman doesn't want to hear anything about it, which is very, it's a very Truman response. Like, I don't want to, I don't know. He's such an, in such denial that he doesn't even want to hear it. Yeah. But if at some point he came around and and wanted to hear that, and then came to the realization that maybe he didn't know Josie as well as he did, and mm-hmm. maybe this wasn't—he yeah, actually had some resolution about or something. It. Yeah, but we never really get that. No. So that—that's another disappointing. Yes, and the, um, and the, there are turn. many
0: many instances of this where characters you don't see the part of the character that you want to see. You right. don't see them dealing with the conflict that's in front of them.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, okay, let's, let's, let's go into that because, uh, so Truman's, or sorry, so Cooper's journey through the back half of season two is really interesting to me, um, because there's so much that is brought up and there's so much inner turmoil that he's dealing with. And it's fascinating the way that he deals with it. So we have this theme that starts off season two way back in the, the opening episode where he's been shot and he's lying on the floor bleeding out and he says to diane that it's not so bad as long as you can keep the fear from your mind and and that seems to be almost a mantra that he takes with him and internalizes that he's just at 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 one point when he's been suspended from the fbi he doesn't even mount his own defense he just kind of lets the chips fall as they may and it's almost like he's, he's approaching everything, his professional life, his personal life, everything without any kind of expectation of um, being able to guide it towards a resolution. Whereas previously, mm-hmm. Agent Cooper, while still kind of going with the flow, he was still able to summon the wherewithal to direct the case where he needed it to go, when he needed it to go there. So um, that's something that it's a departure for him. It's an interesting departure. But I'm not sure... I I feel like in the very last episodes where fear and love open the doors to the lodge, or the lodges, and um, Cooper has to face the dweller on the threshold with perfect courage or else his soul will be utterly annihilated. These are two things that we go into the lodge thinking about. And Cooper obviously fails at that. So what does he fail at? Does he fail because he has... Too much fear and and not enough courage? Does he fail because his love isn't strong enough? These are things that I thought they were setting up at the beginning of season two. And they kind of lost their way, even as they were there, but not really there. Because the fear Mm -hmm. thing comes into play much more um, when Josie's Josie's storyline ends. And we talked to that a little bit, too. So... You want to talk about Josie a bit too. Well, I, or you want to talk about Cooper? Well, let's let's
0: finish talking about Cooper. I, I agree with you. I think it's um, you, you you see the slow degradation of him, and I mm-hmm. feel like it starts with his suspension and the fact that he got caught, um, you know, going to One on Jacks and everything like yeah. that. Um, he successfully finishes the drug deal thing in the Jean Reno mm-hmm. uh, plot line, um, but. Even then, he's, he's literally, all he can do is get held captive and then get saved by Denise and right. Truman, really, in the end. Um, very
1: passive. Yeah, he is. It's, it's very passive.
0: Approach. And then as soon as Earl's on the case, he's, or Earl is, becomes the case, mm-hmm. he's really quite useless as an yeah. investigator. And um, I mean, yeah, this, we've talked about this many, many times in the past. Um, but it's interesting because why is that? is it, is it some sort of fear? I mean, the way he talks about Earl to Truman, especially it, it feels like he keeps coming back. I never beat him. Uh, we play chess every day and I'd never win. Uh, it feels like he's already been defeated by Earl. Right. Um, so he's just kind of thrown in the towel perhaps. Right. Um, and, and I, I think that's a valid interpretation of how season two goes and, uh, you know, eventually why he winds up trapped in the, in Mm -hmm. the lodge. Um, but it's not told, that that arc is not uh, told very well. Right. You don't see Cooper's emotional state and his fear Mm-mm. until you get to the Red Room. Right. Um, and then Lynch there puts it on full display. Yeah. Um, in Lynch's, you know, very unique way. Um, I think, again, the other one that's, that's kind of interesting with that is... Uh, the third last episode, his interaction with Annie and the, and the, the kind of weird camera tricks that go on there and, and add a layer of uncertainty to Cooper's interactions with Annie. Right. I feel like if that level of um, almost uncoordination by Cooper mm-hmm. uh, was highlighted throughout the right. whole Earl saga it would make it feel more earned when he does go in and he is terrified and he does fail to yes save any well he does kind of save any or does he like yeah, it's we don't, it's yeah, really left know. up
1: in the air but you're right yeah
0: yeah so it's really uh, it's a mess well and that's
1: and that's where i think that's where i think it it comes down to um, they had an, they had a plan and that plan i think all along was for um or at least at the start, from the start of season two, the plan was to have Agent Cooper's love interest be pulled into the Black Lodge, yeah. and have him have forced to confront this place in order to save her. Mm-hmm. And by having Annie introduced so late in the season, mm-hmm. you don't get the sense that that relationship is is deep enough or passionate enough or. Um, The stakes aren't high enough in that relationship that he would feel that, Mm -hmm. which I mean, we'll we'll, we can talk about that a little bit too, but um, but But it it comes it exacerbates
0: that problem exactly. Cooper not feeling like so, you're not sure where he's at emotionally at any given time,
1: exactly. And I feel like if okay, so if if they couldn't have, I we've heard all along that Audrey was supposed to be the the love interest, so I mean, obviously, imagine the the heightened emotional state that would have happened had you had 30 episodes of this friendship slash smoldering sexual tension slash whatever mm-hmm. that then boils over at the end to house audrey right yeah. as opposed to how's annie that just just as it was would have been a much more satisfying emotional uh or not satisfying that's the wrong word but it would have been it would have been harrowing and heartbreaking yeah. to have no, that moment more-
0: end a stronger impact for sure but if you couldn't
1: have had Audrey why was Annie introduced so So late late, why couldn't Annie have been introduced you know a couple of episodes after Leland's wake and have their their romance take two weeks Mm -hmm. to bloom as opposed to six days yeah or even at the
0: start of season I mean there's there's no reason that a lot of these characters a lot of the season two characters enter late Mm -hmm. and and so everything feels rushed John
1: Justice Wheeler shows up Annie shows up there. It it does. It it takes on this. And I mean, you could argue that it's the nature of the Black Lodge messing with the fabric of reality in Twin Peaks that everything gets heightened and everything gets thrown into disarray. Yes.
0: And everyone falls in love after three days. Sure. But uh, there's no need for that. I mean, if if you as soon as you found out that Audrey and Cooper were not going to work. Um, there's no reason not to introduce the new love interest earlier. And you don't have to introduce it as a love interest. No, you just have it her just be a character be, and have hey. it
1: grow organically exactly. instead of have it be, yeah. you know, immediately as soon as she shows up on screen, you know she's yeah. going to end up as Cooper's yeah, love interest. Yeah, because
0: they, they make googly eyes in five seconds. And yeah. It. So and it's, like, oh, it's, that's where that's going.
1: It just feels very unearned. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's just the biggest thing <laughs> is all the disappointing parts of season two feel unearned. And yeah. They feel like they we did not earn them at all.
0: Yeah. They, again, it's it's the same stuff we've been harping on that it's not the characters being driven; it's the plot being driven. To, yeah, and the, and and the, the characters, characters just, just fit in, wind it there. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that's, I mean, a hallmark of kind of poor writing, mm-hmm. in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and it's 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 sad because I don't think anybody really wanted it to come out that way. Um, getting thrown the curveball of like, who knows? Maybe they had a, an amazing rest of season two planned. And then they got thrown the curveball after two episodes of Oh no, you got to reveal the killer. Mm-hmm. You have to film it next week. It's coming out as episode seven. Like sure. you know, who knows what that schedule was like? It must. And
1: there are there are probably everything. other things that haven't been talked about or that people um, just haven't remembered. Mm-hmm. De- you know, debates that happened, discussions, uh, disagreements. So lots of things shaped season two and coming back to your earlier comment about too many cooks, I think when you just, when you've introduced that many people and when the central driving figures behind it have taken a much more hands-off approach. Yeah. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: And then, yeah, and Cooper is kind of the unfortunate beneficiary of that. He, he's, he winds, winds up being the main focus of season two. Yeah. Um, because of his connection to Earl and the fact that he was always kind of one of the main characters. Yeah. Um, everything's on Cooper on this one. And again, he he flounders a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and no real good reason is ever given for that. So fans have been filling in the void. Yeah. Uh, since then. And, it's, and one
1: of the, one of the ways they do that is by, by figuring out what the hell is going on with Annie. Yeah. Um, which. Do you an, know, yeah. You let's do Annie first them. and we'll
0: come back to Josie.
1: So we talked, we talked a lot about Annie in the the last couple of episodes um, detailing kind of our theory that she might be. Uh, m- my my theory is that she's kind of a pawn mm-hmm. of the the Black Lodge. Aiden, your theory is that she is a spirit. Actually, of, yeah, a Black Lodge yeah, spirit. of some sort. But why do we feel that way? It's it's less important to me because we've already talked about what we think she is mm-hmm. and what we think she represents. Yeah. Why is it that we need that we feel the need to do that?
0: It might be partially just self uh self-protection almost okay. like uh, i i want annie to have an important role mm-hmm. uh, for cooper's sake mm-hmm. a- and as i'm watching i want cooper's driving driving motivations and everything to feel real and and weighty yeah. I, I want them to have some sort of substance to them yeah and it's hard to do that when you have annie just if you just read her straight as this a damsel in distress, a damsel in distress. and and that's. All anybody wrote her as, then it's kind of like, oh well, that's that's so boring. And it lowers and the
1: quality of Cooper's Yes uh character. Yes. I feel.
0: Yes. Cause he's just like he falls head over heels with someone who's a little quirky. Yeah. Like that's not the Cooper that we like Cooper, again, we've come back to this, but he and Audrey, uh their interactions in season one, in the first part of season two are the stuff that are good television and mm-hmm. good television romance is made of. Yeah. There's, there's dynamics at play. There's competing emotions. There's
1: chemistry. There's
0: chemistry on screen between the actors. This lacked all of that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, yeah, we're trying to fill in for Annie uh, in order to, to make it feel like there's there's more at stake there.
1: Right. And, uh, and I think part of it for me comes down to um, trying to explain how... The, the deficiency in Cooper's character that would lead him to making to make these decisions mm-hmm. that lead him to the black lodge. So, I mean, this is why I like the autobiography so much because it kind of hints at a pattern of failed romances or or an inability to have proper romances. Mm-hmm. And in a way that explains what happened with Annie a lot more clearly than what yes. we see on screen. Yes. Um, so that's maybe part of the reason why I like the autobiography so much, um, but I feel like it's. Um
0: yeah, I feel without the autobiography, Cooper's motiva- Cooper Cooper's relationships are Caroline and Annie, mm. and you don't get enough of Caroline to understand the dynamics that were at play there. Yeah, and. Annie, you don't get enough screen time with Annie to build any dynamics.
1: So both of those characters end up being plot devices. And that's yes. what I what I hate so much because I want I my favorite female characters, female characters, and this is me speaking as a woman and as a feminist, I don't see a lot of really complex female characters, especially from from the time that this show was airing. Mm-hmm. So when I see characters like Sarah Palmer or um, later on in season two, with Eileen Hayward a little bit, Nadine Hurley, Audrey Horn. these are characters that are complex and that have very interesting stories, and they're shuffled to the side in favor of characters like Annie, who are Mary Sues, who are bland, cookie cutter, central casting, well, yeah, two dimensional, very the one or one dimensional, dimensional almost, really. Yeah, in um, Annie's case,
0: and even the. The women that you just listed off, they all become one note characters. Donna is just James's girlfriend. Right. Uh, Nadine Audrey is just the crazy, is, super strong wrestler who yeah. falls in love with Mike for some reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Audrey is just another girl who gets her heart broken by a good looking dude. Yeah. Like, it's, I, it, it's It feels yeah.
1: like they've lost. You know, and, and, and to be fair, I think a lot of the male characters deal with the same mm-hmm. problems. Andy becomes a one-note character. Uh, Cooper, to a certain extent, loses a lot of his depth, too. So it's not just the female characters, but I felt it especially more because I loved Audrey so much. And to see her get shuffled to the side in favor of someone like Annie, who, who comes in at, at, literally from another time and place, as, mm-hmm. as Norma says, and takes her place it it really bothers me Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so i so i look to that and i think okay well there has to be reason for it it's it's selfish desire on my part to to want to want there to be a valid reason why audrey couldn't have been this character and why annie had to take her place Mm -hmm. so that's my i think that's one of my main driving forces too is 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 trying to explain that
0: yeah no and it's fair and i think that's it's kind of disappointing. again, this this is something that we've been doing is that we as fans are filling in gaps. It's not the fun kind of uh, theories that uh, David Lynch's other movies and Twin Peaks in the first season and mm-hmm. by the end and Firewalk with me invite. those those theories are, They've given you something so interesting that you need to know absolutely everything more, right. even when it's not going to be to given to you. Or to expand
1: the universe beyond the bounds of what we are given in order yes. to, you to fill know, in imagine... gaps in other places, But also right? because the, the what you're given is so deep and so varied that you can go there and yeah. there's enough material to sustain you.
2: Yeah.
1: This kind of theorizing feels like we're trying to fill in the gaps. We're, yeah, we're, it's
0: like, oh, well, maybe this is what they meant. Right. This is what they were trying to do kind of thing. Yeah. And it's...
1: In order to explain the things that don't make sense or that yeah. we, aren't, we aren't satisfied with. Yes. And
0: so I think that's a good time to transition to Josie. Sure. Because Josie's, again, this was a character, start of season one, she was just one of the most beautiful girls in the state right. and sleeping with the the sheriff. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, you know, she's a, a, businesswoman, a businesswoman and a prostitute and a murderer. A murderer. Maybe. Well, for sure. She killed Asian man. Sure. <laughs> uh, and... And there's there's all these, this depth that's being added to her character. And then I mean, yes, Joan Chan wanted it out and she just disappears. Um But by the end she she'd kind of she'd lost all agency. She wasn't she wasn't yeah. that fighter that we'd kind of no. known through the first, you know, fifteen episodes or so. Yeah. Um and again I think her her death Again, it's, it's one of those ones where, it, at the time, it just felt like, oh, and now Bob's going to appear with the little man from another place.
1: And, oh, she's oh. going to be in a drawer pull because, of, of course. course. Yeah,
0: it, it felt like just weirdness for weirdness' sake. It yeah. was... It was a very sad way to end mm-hmm. a character like, that we uh, that I had grown to really admire. Yeah, this no, this watch, I'd kind of forgotten all of this because I just remembered the drawer pull, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the the terrible. Well, that's what's so sad
1: of, because it becomes the indelible mark. That's what everybody remembers. I have a friend who uh, l- she stopped watching it around the time that uh, Josie ended up in yeah. the in the drawer pull, and that's all she remembers. She's like, well, she asked me the other day, is season three going to have? Uh, dancing backwards talking little men and beautiful Asian women trapped in drawer pulls that's all she remembers yeah because it became it became the the defining feature of Josie's story whereas she she had come from such terrible start Mm -hmm. and and, and in her in her past in her personal history and she ended up she was so enigmatic to begin with and then to wind up as a drawer pull. Yeah, it's just, it's it just—it's disappointing.
0: Exactly, and and that's one of the sad things is that all these characters who who become a little more one note in season two, it feels like it cheapens them a little bit. Yeah, um, and Cooper is—I mean, Cooper is, is probably the most interesting because he does have you know his backstory with Caroline. It, it is cliche, um, but it's a setup for a, a really good conflict with this potentially chilling villain called Windermere and
1: eventually a much larger conflict within the black lodge yes. once once david lynch gets his hands on that yeah. it turns into something of really cosmic great. proportions yeah, exactly
0: um but josie's is is sad because uh they've just been adding more and more depth to her and it especially near the end it felt like truman was perhaps finally going to break into her shell and and I think that that would have been an amazing thing for both of those characters. Sure. To have Josie say, okay, Truman, here's the thing. Or Harry, I guess she would say. Yeah. Uh, Harry, I was a prostitute for, since I was 10 years old. And yeah. she gives like a really tortured backstory. And she has a really, she explains, I need your help with this whole Eckhart, yeah. uh, Andrew Packard situation. Maybe she confesses that she helped have Andrew killed. Um, and maybe that's a way to get uh, what's his name back in. Yep, Hank. You know, there, there's ways that they could have they could have added more depth to these characters, even more for for Josie. And I think that would have been more beneficial to the story, to the audience, and to. It would have um, been everything. much more charitable
1: to to, to the, characters. the characters for sure. And that's where, the, again, like we keep saying, the characters were secondary to the plot, mm-hmm. and so whenever that happens the quality drops because especially with a show like Twin Peaks, that started off with such strong characters and it started off with amazing introductions to these characters. To have them reduced and become plot points. Yeah.
0: I mean Josie's death feels a little bit like a good character thing. Like she was she was in this terrible situation. She couldn't go with Eckert. She wound up killing him she doesn't want to go to jail she's you know spent her whole life basically avoiding that maybe she dies then maybe but i'd much rather you know truman kills her or something like that like you know some other way of of doing it
2: Um, yeah
1: especially for her with no connection to the supernatural whatsoever to to all of a sudden become so tied to the supernatural felt strange
0: but i mean at the same time David Lynch specifically said, I want her in a drawer pole." at the yeah, end of the exactly. episode. So, so, I mean, maybe he had some some ideas, and who knows, maybe they will show up in season two. Maybe there will yeah. be a Groot-type character, an Ent.
1: A Groot-type character. Yes, My who God. just comes out
0: and, you know.
1: But I think, so, we've been shitting on season two a lot. Yeah, and, sorry. And that, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little unfortunate, but um, we started off talking about some of the good things... About season two, I think one of the interesting takes that I've read is the idea of of breaking all of the original run of season or uh, all of the original run of Twin Peaks into
0: four seasons, into
1: four seasons,
0: which we talked about last at the end of season. I
1: I think we talked about it in, in one of Leland. our previous episodes. Yeah,
0: after the Leland uh, arc,
1: but Recap just that. to just to recount it, this was. Posted on Welcome to Twin Peaks some time ago, uh, back in January February I think.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and as the the as they've written it out here, the four seasons would have been season one would have been the pilot through to the end of season one, so those yeah. first so eight the episodes. Yeah. The second season would have been the investigation into Laura's murder the uh, yeah after
0: Cooper had been shot so season 2 up until Leland's death
1: yeah up until episode 7 of season 2 yeah
0: oh okay so not Leland's death
1: no the okay. yeah season 3 would have been called the aftermath so it's episode 8 of season 2 through episode 14 mm-hmm. of season 2 which
0: is the Diane Keaton episode if I remember correctly so the end of the Evelyn Marsh storyline or is that the next episode after that I think it's episode 15 in any
2: case,
1: yes, you're right. It would it would be episode fifteen, okay. and then the the last one would have been season four, Project Blue Book, is how they called it. So then you get all the mythology kind of come into things. Yeah, and that's largely the those last two seasons are what we're dealing with in this mm-hmm. episode here, um, and I really do feel like that's how how uh, how the season goes, or how the, how the back half of the season goes is you do have a, a marked shift. Yeah in tone once the mythology gets laid out and Project Blue Book is introduced and Major Briggs comes back and becomes a central character along with the Log Lady mm-hmm. um, when Merle's involvement in, Pro- in Project Blue Book becomes clear. more clear
0: yeah when it, I, and it's it's an interesting shift because when Earl's introduced it's as a revenge character yes and then there's that moment three or four episodes from the end when Cooper's like oh nope he wasn't here for me he was yes, here for the Puzz and, 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 and the Black, the Black Lodge. Lodge and everything like that
1: yeah so it, it, it globalizes the struggle that up until that point was a very personal one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good, that's a good thing mm-hmm. because um, it takes some of that, that, like you said, with Cooper being the focus, that's, a, that's carrying a lot of it on his shoulders. I think it was just too much for his character to have to yeah. carry that burden. Yeah. So to have it be a much more, a bigger struggle... And I think that's largely Mark Frost's doing because mm-hmm. he was—he seems to be the one that—that um, that really is very into the supernatural yeah, elements, yeah. And 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 that world building that we've that it, we see it in the Secret History of Twin Peaks. Especially, he's a novelist yeah. as well, so he's he's good at this stuff. Yeah. And if we were to split up those the four key players, you know, David Lynch and Robert Engels kind of took over with Fire with Me, and Harley Payton and Mark Frost were were kind of the other two who, mm-hmm. who seemed to get along a, a bit better yeah. not to say that they didn't all get along but you know like if you were to if,
0: yeah as, as creative pairs yeah
1: yeah um, yeah so once the creative partnership between Mark Frost and David Lynch soured a little bit and it did those were the pairings that kind of took off but um, but I would definitely say that Mark Frost is is responsible for the for the the, the mythology building mm-hmm. which is something that David Lynch probably wouldn't have gone into yes. But it's part of what you really love about it.
0: Yeah. Is that they they do this back and forth. And that's... Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I love the mythology. But I love the way that they they play back and forth with elements like that mythology. You have Mark Frost introduce... You know, season one, there's no real supernatural. Season two starts off with a script that I believe is written by both of them. Uh, Maybe we could check on that. But uh, it's David Lynch directing. So David Lynch is the one who actually introduces us to these characters, but it, it they feel like Mark, Mark Frost's creation. It feels like he's like, okay, we're going to go into a bit of a supernatural tale here. Um, but David Lynch is the one who brings them to life. And then once they're brought to life, uh, Frost and Ingalls and Peyton, to an extent for sure, um, kind of run with it and, and say, okay, well, here, now we're going to talk about the Black Lodge and the White Lodge. And we're yeah. going to have Hawk give this really great description. And then... Lynch's task in the end I mean I I season 2 would have been so much better if they would have continued that back and forth even after the 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 reveal of of Leland as the killer yeah. um just for the fit sake that they they do such a great job of that in the end what we get is Lynch saying, oh, wow, okay, we've done all this stuff about, you know, lodges and... Dugpa's. Dugpa's and, and and uh, moon phases or, no, Saturn, <laughs> planet phases and, and cave drawings and all sorts of stuff. All right, let's 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 do this. And he throws together the last episode and then mm-hmm. firewalk with me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think season two could have been... would have just been immeasurably better if they would have just kept rolling with it. But, yeah.
1: They, well, the part of the problem is... It, it, it's not really a problem. It's it's what makes their partnership great is that, like you said, David Lynch will seems to be the one that, that says, okay, this is what I want to do. And he comes up with things or he'll pick up things that he dropped five episodes ago. And he's like, that's interesting. Now I'm going to use that. Um, and like with the giant or with, with some of the supernatural elements that are introduced in, in episodes that he directed and wrote, um, they end up... Mark Frost is the one who picks up the ball, and his interest, like I said, is, is in, in fleshing those things out. Mm-hmm. David Lynch could care less. Yeah. He doesn't care where the Giant comes from. Yeah. He'll deal with that. If he ever needs yeah. to deal with that, he'll deal with it. Yeah. Mark Frost looks at that and says, well, where did the Giant come from? And I think that sensibility is what makes their partnership really great yeah. because they balance that out. There's maybe a tendency on David Lynch's side to be too vague and frustratingly vague, mm-hmm. and there's a tendency on Mark Frost's side to over-explain. Yeah, and, and, and I
0: think the final episode is is evidence of that. Like we, yeah. we described uh, in the script, it's a much more literal ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more in your face about Cooper's uh, history and his involvement. Inner and turmoil. And his, and his inner and turmoil. Yeah. It's much more in your face. And Lynch goes in there and says, no, I'm still going to get capture some of that feel, but it's not going to be that explicit or direct. Yeah. And and that's what makes it so good is that this, the last episode, just like the pilot feels like Mark Frost uh, wrote something. And then David Lynch said, yes, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. Um, slightly less than the pilot. The pilot felt like it was, it was the two of them, maybe a yeah. bit more balanced. The finale is, is all Lynch. Um, but it, it has the, the elements that Frost outlined in the script with angles right. and Peyton.
1: Yeah.
0: So, I mean that, that, the, the finale episode is is really a testament to how good season two could have been mm-hmm.
1: had they been together had the they been together
0: and working on and
1: that. it and it's as we've said all along it's one of the things that is going to make season three or the return um, just that much more exciting because yeah. these are two people who have worked together the entire time they wrote all 18 hours David Lynch directed all 18 hours um, that's that's tremendous so I think that's really going to be something special to see yeah um. But we still have season two to yeah, to, to, to deal with, with I yeah. guess, or to live with. <laughs> so yeah, like I think I like what you said earlier that that the 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 holes in the plot are what we're trying to fill in with our theories, mm-hmm. and there's no satisfying conclusion, and it's frustrating because um, there is a sense that uh, things became much more like the X Files or like Lost in the sense that maybe they didn't have this, uh, an overarching idea about what they were trying to do. Yeah. But unlike David Lynch, when he does that, uh, they seem to be trying to do something with those things that they didn't know what to do yeah, with. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. And
1: that made it very pedestrian. Yeah,
0: it did not feel... It didn't feel like to Peaks. It didn't feel like the first 14 episodes or whatever it was.
1: Something we haven't talked about is the the studio and network um response to the show and how the show was shuffled around on the schedule so much and how that didn't it didn't help much at all with Mm -hmm. ratings um doesn't have anything to do with the quality of these episodes but i can imagine that it would have been disheartening them and once those those things started happening maybe that's you know I don't have the details in front of me right now but you know maybe while they were writing and revising these later episodes that where the quality really started to dip um they were already in the midst of you know sinking ratings and schedule kerfuffles and things like that so maybe that plays a little bit of a role as well but uh it's hard to know
0: well and it, I imagine Working on the show, you'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, they moved us to Tuesday at yeah. 4 in the afternoon.
1: So it, it, sure. would be,
0: it would be disappointing. It would be like, okay, people are not going to be watching us. Well, Is and my it, job it, on the line? You know, you're just thinking of things that aren't.
1: And I remember reading, uh, I, I think it was Ted Raimi who said it, that uh, when he was playing Rusty Tomaski in the, mm-hmm. the last episodes there, that the mood on set was almost jubilant. Because they realized that none of this was going to matter, that they were going to be canceled anyway, so let's just do it. So that's interesting to me that, that they had that, that kind of a response, or at least that's what it was like during filming. We have no idea what it was like in the writing, writer's room yeah. or what kind of conversations were being had by you know, the upper level executive producers and the head writers and directors and everything like that coming into it. But maybe there's a sense of freedom that comes. Maybe Stephen Gyllenhaal doesn't come in and deliver one of the best episodes of season two, you know, three episodes from the end of the series, if the show is is critically acclaimed and and very strong and, and suddenly we don't have, you know, a really wonderful episode that mm-hmm. late in the game mm-hmm. we also probably wouldn't have had uh this kind of support for a third season well exactly um, i mean
0: th- you think about it how it ended how fire walk with me played out mm-hmm. it's 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 just an amazing storyline that it would come back now 26 27 well, years later and
1: that's i mean it for it to have been presaged
2: mm-hmm.
1: tw- you know yeah, in I'll the last episode i'll see you in 25 years to have that happen and then to have it actually happen in reality within give or take a year yeah. uh, is kind of incredible. And I think that, that there's just, you know, when, when people ask us why we're fans of Twin Peaks and when they, they ask us why we do a podcast about Twin Peaks and why do we care so much, I think it's just this perfect storm of unanswerable questions and frustrating conclusions and all of these stars lining up in a way that makes it impossible not to sit up and take notice mm-hmm. um, as well as all the other things compelling characters and great storylines for the most part and this wonderful creative team behind the scenes that you know is coming back so um, it's it's kind of a perfect storm I mm-hmm. think and that's one of the reasons why we're here anyway can't speak for everyone but
0: no but for sure it's, it's amazing and then to, to have season three um be announced, and, and we were just we were, you know, we were doubtful at first. Like, no, it didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. And then they had all the kerfuffle about the the production and everything. Um, and then when it was, then there, when there was an air date announced, that was when it really hit home for us, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's an amazing kind of situation. And it's a really cool feeling to to know that this uh, this project is going to see a new chapter after so long and such an interesting. I mean, let's let's face it, the production history is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, it was this huge hit. It had a downfall. The quality nosedived, whether there oh, were connected. Oh, within 14 months, yeah, really. exactly. It's,
1: well, I mean, yeah, maybe two years. But yeah, yeah it, it but happened 30, very quickly. 30
0: episodes is all we got. It's not yeah. like it had, you know, three, five seasons. It's not, it's not even a one-season thing like Firefly or Freaks and Geeks or something right. like that. These other shows that were canceled prematurely because those ones, there's no... There's no reason that they should have been cancelled. They were just yeah. great shows. Here it's kinda of like, yeah. We <laughs> if, if I it. saw if I saw the more Marilyn and James storylines, I'd cancel them. Evelyn, Twin Peaks. you don't even remember her name. Thank you. That's how bad it is. Um but, yeah, but, I'd cancel it for but
1: sure. But we still look at it and, and even in spite of that, there are I mean this this fan community that we're part of mm-hmm. is is going strong, you know, two and a half decades decades later. Uh, original fans are welcoming new fans, and it's unlike anything. I've been in fandoms for most of my well, since I was eleven years old. Probably the first time I wrote a fan fiction, mm-hmm. um, and I've never seen this kind of coming together over a, a, a piece of art or a movie or a TV show or a band or whatever maybe a band if you want to talk about the Beatles, but I mean, it's it's totally unlike that in, in the way that, that this community Continues has...
2: Continues and grows. Well, in the it. way
1: that it rallied to save the show originally and how so many of those, those original fans still participate to this day. And not only do they participate, they're active within the community. They're friends with the actors. They're friends with the people who produce the show. They helped out with the Blu-ray production. They run fan festivals and... Uh, the, the, they're, they are the core of this group of people that we now count ourselves amongst that has kept this show alive for so many years. It feels like this wouldn't have happened without them. Mm-hmm. And this feels like it's, like, we're three weeks, as as of the date that we're recording this episode, it's three weeks today till the airing of season three. Um every day that we get closer to that feels like we're getting closer to a gift that's being given to this fan community. And I think that's really quite incredible. So speaking of community, yes. uh, We wanted to give a, a quick thank you to our fellow podcasters and the wonderful fans that we have as well, who all of you who tune in every week, um, since October, we've gotten tons of emails and uh, mentions on Twitter and Facebook, and have had tons of conversations. Um, lots of opportunities to theorize, and it's been fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's been really great.
1: And uh, and first off, thank you all for listening. This is like we said, our last podcast that we're going to be, or last sorry, last podcast episode that we're going to be releasing before we do our. Fire Walk With Me week.
0: Yes, Fire Week With Me.
1: Fire Week With Me, which will be all next week. Fire Week With
0: Us, I guess.
1: Fire Week With Us, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with that. Let's do that. Um, And that will be all next week, five days of Fire Walk With Me. uh,
0: Related content. Yes.
1: Um, And then we'll be right in with The Return with Mm -hmm. Season 3. So so we thought this would be a good opportunity to...
0: To say thank you. To say thank you. Yeah, just... Let you know how much we appreciate all the, the conversations and the feedback and everything that we've we've had uh, since we started talking to you. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so, as we mentioned, we will be doing Season 3 recaps. There are lots of other podcasts out there who are also doing Season 3 recaps. Yes. And this is what we mean by community. That that these guys... Um, there, there's no competition here. It's... Yeah. It's like this amazing thing that we feed into each other's theories, and we listen to the podcast, and we're like, "Hey, that's a really great idea." And then, you know, it—it's—it's it's just an a, a, an organism, I guess. This whole community—it's—it's it's great. That's a really horrible analogy for it, metaphor. What? That we're an organism. We're part of an organism.
0: Yeah, sure. We've got cells that help other cells. An
1: ecosystem, e- maybe. Ecosystem is, is probably a better analogy. This is why I don't teach biology. Yeah. Anyway, um, so there's so many other podcasts, and we hope you'll continue listening to us. But we also hope that you'll continue or start, or start up or listening continue, to. Yes. <laughs> we also hope that you will start up or continue listening to um, the the other podcasts out there, because the multitude of opinions and viewpoints that come out from all of these sources and all of these people is really, I think, what makes Twin Peaks so unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in no particular order, we we oh we should thank John, our friend John the Peaky, who uh, who helped us out with this list because yeah. we put out a call on Twitter a few weeks ago and we did get responses, but we wanted to make sure we were really thorough and he's been keeping track. He's the podcast guy. So. He's the podcast
2: king for sure.
1: <laughs> so uh, he helped us with this list. Um, this is his order that he put it in. So, starting from the top, the Twin Peaks podcast will be doing Season 3 recaps. Twin Peaks Rewatch, Damn Good Podcast about Twin Peaks, Damn Fine Podcast, The Gifted and the Damned Podcast, Dish in the Percolator, The Lodgers, Twin Peaks Unwrapped, Twin Peaks Peaks, Sparkwood in 21, Twin Peaks Log, Fish in the Percolator, Twin Peaks Revival, Diane Podcast, uh the twin peaks the return which is a brand new show that will be starting up for season three as well as a twin peaks podcast which is the entertainment weekly podcast yeah. and then three more just uh to mention at the end that we'll be doing uh kind of tangential but maybe not recap uh podcast coverage counter Esperanto Deer Meadow Radio and the Red Room Podcast, mm-hmm. all, all
0: excellent excellent, and, yeah. and highly
1: recommended for their um,
0: analysis. analysis.
1: And yeah, yeah, and the way that they come at it from different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, there's also the BoobTube Buddies who are going to be doing a uh, Twin Peaks. or They're going to be having Twin Peaks segments, I, I guess, with our friend Joshua, um, where they'll be looking at some of the more esoteric out there stuff Alliance. that no one else is talking about that I think will be just fantastic. So I'm, mm. I'm really excited to hear what what they pick up. Yeah, sounds cool. Uh, in addition, there is... we We're, we're going to plug this because we're kind of a part of it. Mm-hmm. So it's very much self-promotion time. Absolutely. There is a new website on the block. Um, in addition to the, the fantastic zine that's, that started up, the Blue Rose Magazine, um, which is a, kind of a continuation of the... It's it's like this this spiritual and the, the descendant yeah, of, spiritual
0: descendant yeah
1: of wrapped in, in plastic, plastic yeah. um, There's a, a new website that is uh, launching very very soon, the twenty five years later and this will be a collection of fans who are writing short essays and pieces, recaps, podcast recaps, um, theories, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it's going to be really great. all over. Um, and we will be contributing to that as mm-hmm. well, um, putting our writing skills to use. Hopefully. Hopefully.
0: What meager ones we have, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, so we we would encourage you if you are. I mean, obviously, you're listening to us, to your podcast fans, but um, but if you like to read, we would uh, yeah. we would encourage you to check out those those places. Yeah, definitely. And if you have any more that you come across in the next little while, send them in to us so that we can share share the share the love yes exactly with the rest of the twin peaks fan community that we love so much yeah so that's it
0: yeah so thank you once again Mm -hmm. for joining us uh today and all other days that Mm -hmm. you have joined us uh, and will join us in the future hopefully uh we're looking forward to fire walk with us fire week with us yeah wow still suck at talking even after all these episodes (laughs) uh and also of course season three very excited so much looking forward to it yes so we'll see you then
1: If you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash bickeringpeaks, all one word.
0: You can also follow us on Twitter. That's at bickeringpeaks.
1: Or you can head over to iTunes and leave us a review or a comment. We'd love to hear from you.